Stories are the genesis of trust issues. My name is Osadumibi, and every week I would tell you a short story written by a Nigerian writer or author. That's the long and short of it. So without much ado, this week's story is by Ikenna Courage Okwara, the second in a three-part series. Yes, the second. Don't worry, you will not get lost in the tale. But you will need to come back next week for the concluding part of the story titled Another Love Story. The following days were bliss. Living in the same compound was one of the many things I was grateful for about my relationship with Vanessa. I would wake up every day with a smile as I raced downstairs to receive my morning wages in hugs. Now I understand why salary earners were so happy at the end of the month. I normally could not wake up by 7am, but here I was at 6am sharp whispering at her window, careful not to wake up the whole house. It was forbidden love already. Our parents hated each other. My father was the landlord, and her father was the tenant who never paid on time. I always found a way to dissuade my father from evicting them. Aside from the late rent payment, they were not the worst tenants we'd had. A different version of the Better the Devil You Know cautionary tale seemed to work on my father each time. To the untrained eye, Vanessa and I were indifferent towards each other in public. We could not afford to have a compound meeting called on top of our head. But a keen observer would not miss the winks, the head tilts, the random hand gestures which we used to communicate. She had a dumb phone. It had zero computing or internet capacity. Text messages were our only resort. And at four naira per text, not even a keen observer would have been able to decode our text speak as we tried to cram as much as we could into each text. My siblings used to wonder why I ran out of credit quickly. I was an up-and-coming writer at the time, with a few words published here and there. She loved reading my drafts, hailing each one as the best she had seen. She pointed out covert themes, making each piece sound more clever than I ever intended. I wrote about her often. I would spend days staring at her pictures on my phone, entranced by her beauty, and then I would proceed to pour it all out on paper. I had such a thrill presenting those particular write-ups to her. As I watched her read them, I anticipated every arch of her eyebrow. I could see the outline of her dimples long before her mouth flexed into a smile. I knew her pupils would be dilated when she eventually looked up at me to sheepishly ask, Is this one about me? Yes, I would reply. (laughs) I love it! 
she would say. She was falling, and I, I was already sprawled out on the floor. She would sometimes come up to hang out in our flat when our parents were away, knocking three times in rapid succession. She gelled with my unsuspecting siblings. They loved her, especially my sister, who said she looked like a young Genevieve. I was almost always downstairs, pacing the compound in an attempt to look busy so I could catch a glimpse of her. My brothers began to notice the delayed glances, the head tilts and smiles, the odd hand movements, and my absence from the house. They teased, threatening to report my liaison to our father, but I was undeterred. Without warning, my uni announced resumption for the following week. Betrayed by education. Last, last, school scam. More valid words have not been said. My imminent departure loomed heavy between us. Each passing day felt more dreary than the last. But we somehow managed to steal away more frequently. Alas, it was the night before my departure, and we had a few precious minutes alone. She was inconsolable as we stood in our hideout, the uncompleted boys' quarters behind our block of flats, lit by the reflection of different shades and tones of bulbs and flickering fluorescent lights across the compound. I lifted her chin and held her face. On the outside, I may have looked calm and in control, but her face mirrored how mashed up I felt inside. I stared into her eyes and babbled a few words which I hoped sounded like sweet nothings. The air was tense. Our bodies twitched as we nervously inched closer towards each other. She closed her eyes. I followed suit. All I can remember is the feeling as our lips touched and then parted. We were just about to shift gears when a car horn blared. Her father was home and we had to scram. We promised to attempt one final steal away. We did. The next morning, we kissed and hugged endlessly. We exchanged promises of love and vowed to stay in touch. My parting gift to her was my favorite item of clothing. A dark blue hoodie with baby blue highlights and the letters MCM written across the front. I dubbed it Man Crush Monday. I mean, you have to see me to understand. Clutching a piece of me. She left our hideout first. I wanted one last opportunity to take a good look at her from behind. And I needed time to compose myself before going upstairs to face the family goodbyes. Ten minutes later, we were driving out of the compound. As I looked back at our building, I could see Vanessa peeking from the window of her flat. Amongst the plethora of emotions I felt, there was one which gnawed deeper than the rest. 
something ominous. Back at uni, I tried to adhere to our communication plan, but juggling an engineering degree with long distance was not easy. The odds seemed stacked against us. It didn't help that my uni had a no mobile phone policy. Besides, any shortcuts I may have tried would have been futile thanks to Vanessa's dumb phone. I really needed to find a way to upgrade her phone to a smart one. I trudged around school with a headphone and a love-stricken playlist. My grades suffered a little, but what's love without sacrifice? 4.30pm every Friday was sacred. It was my one-hour call slot with Vanessa. Nothing could keep me from my guardian's house. I would not miss it even if campus was on fire. She was so animated on our first few calls as she tried to fill me in on all that was happening back home. As the weeks passed, her excitement waned. Mine remained. Her voice no longer perked up as much when she spoke to me. I wasn't too worried. It was hard on both of us. We'd been apart three months. One Friday, I was relieved to hear her sounding cheerier than she had in weeks. A few minutes into our chat, she announces with an air of innocent excitement. There is this guy called Timmy. The air of excitement I thought was reserved for only me. I didn't hear anything else she said. Ikenna Courage Okwara is a Nigerian writer who resides in Potakot. He is a civil engineering graduate of Covenant University and the co-founder and CEO of Wellfed, a body positive clothing brand launched in 2023. Ikenna believes words are the threads which connect every story, and in his spare time, he enjoys weaving those words into different types of fabric. He is working on his first book, which is due to be published in the fall of 2023. You can read more of his work on Medium at ikenna.courage or on Wordpedia. You can connect with Ikenna on Instagram at just.courage, on Twitter at ikenna underscore courage, or on LinkedIn at Okwara Ikenna. Details and links will be in the episode description. If you've got a story you would like to be featured on this podcast, or a published book you want to make into an audiobook, send an email to info at osadumebi.com or send me a message at osadumebi on either Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn or Twitter. I look forward to collaborating with you. And if you've enjoyed this week's episode, please subscribe, leave a review and tell a friend that stories are a good escape for a few minutes each week.